0: But you got the podcast, you got some other stuff going. Now what? You ready for me to blow up this podcast? Let's do it. All right. (laughs) I I might be sailing.
1: (laughs) Okay. Welcome
2: to Stand Up, Pedal Action. All right, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Supa. Uh, This time we've got something pretty fun because this time it's a podcast with a podcaster. Oh, that's right. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we got a first for SUPA. Uh, this is the first time we've tried this. We have John Croom in the studio. And John, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks. Yeah. No, thanks for having me. I'm super stoked to be here.
2: Yeah. This is going to be really fun.
0: Not just a podcaster. Yeah. Not just a podcaster, athlete, team owner, um, husband. Ooh, yeah, we, got got we go. dog father. Dogs. I mean, yep. you go down the list, man. I'm 100 miles <laughs> yeah. a minute. It's great. National champion. Yeah, national champion. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So we got it all going on. And yeah. when it comes to your racing history, that's one that's actually super, super fun. Because I think it's out of the box from what a lot of us mountain biker or mountain bike specific riders will know. Because you're in yeah. that little world that we don't understand called track yep I, uh,
0: <laughs> I like to say that i don't understand mountain bike but see i might i might even get shunned for this but i've done uh-huh. one mountain bike race
2: mm. when was that's this cool. where it's was no big this deal.
0: um i did leadville okay <laughs> yeah mbd the, you know. the 100? Yeah, yeah the, 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 <laughs> the 100. 100 i even have a big belt buckle to show for it oh, so I, some
3: might argue that's not really a mountain bike. i know bike that's yeah. what
0: i'm saying i might get shunned for it but another thing is too and i might get shunned for this as well I'm a pro mountain biker on my license. You got so the card. I have right. the card, man. Oh, well, that, that beats me. Yeah, yeah. But you'll never see me at a mountain bike race. I will tell you that much. <laughs>
2: not even out in the parking lot in the booth with the van?
0: Now, nah, Well, actually, yeah, I probably would hang out at a mountain bike race. I mean, especially hanging out at Leadville. I think, again, I know it's probably not the biggest mountain bike race, like in the sense of mountain bike, mountain bike. Mm-hmm. But... um, The vibes are just so cool because it's like, I mean, gravel is neat in that sense, but it felt like in the sense of like, you know, you have the world tour guys and you have the people who are just there to just conquer Leadville. Yeah. But I think what's really cool is, is just the amount of different people and different experiences and different stories that are at Leadville and so the next mountain bike race that I'm going to do is uh 24 hours of Pueblo if I can find if I can find a way to get into that race like I don't care if I'm riding with a team I don't care if I ride one lap like that race just looks so cool yeah for the culture mountain bike race oh for sure okay okay okay, cool cool I was just wondering like (laughs) you know I'm sitting
2: here spouting stuff off and I don't even know no 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 (laughs) well it's not as though you don't have enough other stuff going on, as you yes. said with yeah, uh, no, true. the long list. And when it comes to the history, we don't just have a guy in the studio today who's won a race here or there. We're talking about eight-time national champion, multiple track disciplines, yeah, from 2017 on through 2021.
0: Yep, yeah, yeah. So this yeah. is
2: not ancient history either. What's well, cool because I like doubled my national
0: title count in 2021. Seriously, so, like, I made up for lost time in 2020. It was great because like in 2017 i since 2017 i've won a, a national title every year and it was just one and at that point i had won i think it was three medals every year and then yeah i took you know everybody took 2020 off there was this thing yeah. called covid i don't know yeah, you little, guys heard of it I heard I about it yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah it's, a it's yeah. crazy yeah, yeah. Um, just briefly Mm-hmm. Not a big deal. But anyways. Um, <laughs> yeah. NBD. We, we took the we took the year off and uh yeah, I came back this year and I won
2: five national titles. Holy cow. Yeah, it was pretty epic. So, All right. Uh, I was stoked well, on it. Wow. Well, we're gonna get back to that. Yeah. yeah sure. But we uh-huh. wanna know how you got to there from oh. where the story starts. Yeah, man. I think we just need to tell everybody to sit down, buckle up, because
0: it's just like a super long story. But uh, <laughs> All right. but anyways, uh yeah, I got started in cycling, I think what was it? 2013 I was in high school um my parents bought me a hundred dollar Fuji um I think it even had down tube shifting (laughs) it was a road bike because my parents were into triathlons and I was like Mm -hmm. I want to try it I just want to give it a shot and see what's going on and I was 280 pounds at this point so at this point my background is uh football and wrestling Uh uh-huh and uh, for my wrestling weight class, you know everybody knows about wrestling and cutting yeah. weight. Mm-hmm. And for me, um, my weight class was from two hundred sixteen to two hundred eighty five pounds, and it's a bit
3: of a spread. I yeah. had to
0: cut weight to make two eighty five.
3: Whoa, sometimes
0: yes.
2: All right, and, um, yeah, it was pretty rough. This is not a story you hear in cycling very often.
0: Yeah, and so what well, you do hear about the weight cutting, just not no, just that, not that, <laughs> that, much that weight. weight. Yeah, but so. Yeah, I, uh, I was into wrestling and I was into that.
2: And well, wait a minute, where are we in the world?
0: I'm in high school. No, where, where, Oh,
2: where are you from?
0: Um, South Carolina, Rock okay. Hill, South Carolina. Right. Mm-hmm. And so that's where, yeah. So that's where I kind of grew up, um, moved there in first grade and, uh, from Chicago area, but, uh, don't mm. really remember Chicago. Yeah. That's uh, all right. Mm. Yeah. So
2: anyways, but yeah, so I, that's g- a good place to get over 285 pounds. That's yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's
0: for sure. And, uh. And yeah, so I started riding a bike, you know, to and from school in Rock Hill, and then they built a track in Rock Hill, South Carolina. And at this point, um, my mom was working for the city, um, and the city had like something to do with it. And I just went out to one of the races and I'm, I'm like watching these guys go around the circle so fast. And I was just like, so I thought it was the coolest thing in the world. And I was like, I think I could do that. And at this point, like any sport I did just kind of came naturally, like And it might've been the fact that like, I went to Christian school too, like part of my life, uh, just being a bad kid, but I went to Christian (laughs) school at like a part of my life Uh and I played basketball and I was like a star basketball player in Christian school, but it was like a small rec league. And I just thought I was a legend, you know? Sure. But at this point, everything came easy to me and you guys probably know this. You probably have Mm -hmm. one of those friends who's like, I could probably do the mountain bike thing. And then they come out and they about kill themselves and you almost feel bad. Right. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, so I got into bike racing after watching this one track race in like 2011 Mm -hmm. and um because that's when they had nationals there and i watched this one bike race and i went out and did my first crit and literally one thing like it was almost like a domino effect like uh one thing just led to another to me buying another bike getting another bike to working at a bike shop to meeting people to getting coaches to this one thing is one thing after another to winning a local race all the way to, you know, I'm not trying to fast forward too fast, but no, no, no. from we can 2011 jump all the way to 2017, I find myself in, um, in Colorado Springs. Cause I got a phone call from the national team coach who was like, Hey, we have this project we think you can fit in, but we think you need to move to Colorado Springs to try to make it. And I said, done. And Whoa. I just literally packed up, moved. I was engaged at the time, so that was that was a bit of a learning curve as well. Uh, yeah, uh, but I packed up and moved, and yeah, like I'm I'm just kind of here. And then that's when I won
2: my first national title. Holy cow! Right yeah. off the bat.
0: All right. Yeah, but I mean, 2000 2011 okay. to you know 2017. Like at that point, I had I had ridden a few national championships, like leading into that, and like I had done a few international races, but it was all on my own dime, like nobody gave me the time of day because I'm just this big goofy kid. Who's like wanting to learn. Like, I just want to learn. I want to like hang out with the cool kids. Like I didn't really understand professional cyclists. Like I didn't understand um, like how they communicated or how they worked. And yeah, it was literally just trying to fit in with these group of people and little dude, like now thinking back on it, I was like, Oh crap. I I was kind of getting made fun of in that situation or (laughs) Oh crap. Like they actually didn't take me seriously. And Some of the people that like kind of brushed me off are like now, like trying to like bring me into certain things because I've so, so much success now. It's funny, like how that kind of works and plays out, but who's laughing now? Yeah. Yeah. But like, I, I, like, I never want to be like that, but like, that's because of what I experienced and like, and it's, I guess the weirdest part of that is, is that I didn't, I didn't even know what was happening. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Probably just Um, as well, right? Yeah. And so, um, but anyways, yeah, one thing led to another, like at that point I had already had a national medal before I had won, mm-hmm. um, elite nationals, but I, I did para, um, okay. because they told me I was too big to do elite stuff and I was like, oh, oh, okay, cool. Like, <laughs> like sure. Whatever. Then what, what else can I do? And they were like, well, have you ever heard of, uh, paracycling? And I was like yeah, but I have no, like, nothing's wrong with me. Like, I, I don't think so. Yeah. And and they were like, yeah, yeah, no, we, we get that, but you can ride a tandem. Right. And I was like, sure. I've never done it before, but sure. <laughs> yeah. and so I rode a tandem fixed gear bike in LA. The first time I've ever been on an indoor track and Whoa. did a sprint tournament and we got third. And I was oh, like, wow. right right cool, this is awesome. And then when that happened, I was like, well, what does this mean? Like, do I you know, do I do that? And it was like I at that point I was I think I was like twenty or something. And so I just felt like I had so much to learn and do before I needed to just give up. Because I mean, let's be honest, like you're you're fighting for that blind athlete, like at that point. Like oh, right? yeah. and so as selfish as this sounds, I was like, I feel like there's some stuff with me that's untapped. So I kinda wanna go focus on me first. And if I want to come back to that, I'll go back to that. But yeah, for the time
2: being, I just want to focus on myself. Yeah. Yeah. So, so some people uh, when they come to cycling, yeah. they come to it, you might call it more, I don't want to say honestly, but they come to it like through a pathway where there's like a lot of oversight, people pouring into them. Were you coming into it just like, this looks fun and bringing just brute force athleticism to it? Or did you have people early on that were pouring into you to give you the technique and the training?
0: Um, Yeah, no, no, no. Like, And I, and, and hopefully just for clarity, like I wasn't, didn't say like I was getting made fun of the whole time. Like nobody cared about me, (laughs) but that's a great question. Like, uh, because, um, I didn't realize it, um, until like now, but yeah, there's, there's a long list of people that were not necessarily like a hired coach or like a, um, somebody I was paying for their time, but there were people that were like giving me feedback, um, trying to correct things like in a nice way, like not just necessarily being like, look, man, you have no idea what you're doing. Like, like they would literally sit me down and be like, Hey, like, let's think about this for a second. Like, yeah, you're doing X, Y, and Z. Let's, let's try to do it a little bit differently. And let's try to do it this way. And maybe, Hey, try to go to this event or, Hey, take a deep breath. Like you're trying to (laughs) Mm -hmm. go to Canada and race internationally when you've never even really raced outside of the state. So, you know don't rush it. And so and I'm just going to name some guys off cuz and people yeah. that were really supportive like Kyle Knott, Chris Netchi, um and Michael Barman. Those three individuals, or there's three individuals I, I still kind of talk to on and off today. Um but those three people, like Kyle Knott got me into college. Like I didn't even want to go to college and he went to Mars Hill University, won a collegiate national title and he was like, "Look, quit trying to race. Like like stress your racing, like Let's finish your college degree. You only have two years left and you're a cat four on the road. Like, okay, just go to school, get your upgrade Mm -hmm. and then like go 50, 50. And by the end of the, by the end of my college career or whatever schooling, I'm a cat two on the road, a cat one on the track. And at this point, like you can literally start to actually see my life switching from the school thing, but my school's already done at that point. So it was like right. Yeah. Like if I had one more year of school, I would have been done. You know, <laughs> I not <don't laughs> do this anymore. I need to go race. Um yeah. but like at this point, my schooling's already almost done. And so I'm really thankful to those individuals because yeah, like even still to this day, Chris Netchi was I, I I dealt a lot with the being the big guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was a bigger guy. And he, and you know, they always used to give me the saying, it's like, there's two ways to go uphill, right? Yeah. You can either be super light Mm -hmm. or you can have the power.
2: Yeah. Or you can be super strong.
0: One of them, you can still eat milkshakes. (laughs) And I was like, that's dope. That's dope. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's, I've kind of always lived by that and just being powerful and yeah. And those three those three specific there's I, there's a whole list, but those three in specific individuals are three individuals that I still talk to today and ask for advice and yeah help me in my career.
2: Well, and this is where maybe we swerve a little bit yeah. into having you educate us about the world of track because yeah. that's one of the craziest ends of the cycling spectrum to me because yeah. there is so much going on in there. Crazy events is a place where ridiculous power numbers get thrown down that you never see out in the rest of the world. And yeah. where there are so many different little disciplines, like, sub-disciplines in there. It, it just fascinates the crap out of me. And I've never gotten to try it. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, yeah, as far as, like, track cycling goes, it's, like, you have guys that, you know, are racing in the world tour. Like, doing the, like the sprinters that are racing the world tour that are coming over. And then you have guys that are specific track guys. Like, mm-hmm. they ride four minutes max. And that's... Full stop that's it like that's that's their racing like yeah you know like there's guys who literally fly to do uh you know a 200 meter time trial to qualify (laughs) for a sprint tournament and some some don't qualify and so it's like you've literally just spent a couple grand in flights hotels and whatever and you're literally just training to ride as fast as possible for 200 meters to then race another guy in a match sprint and so it's it's epic like yeah so just give us the overview.
2: Like yeah. what are the events that you gravitate towards? Cause it would be an exhaustive list if we said everything that happens in track. Yeah. But like, for sure. What, what did you grab onto early on? Well, everything. Okay. And
0: like, and, and I believe this for every athlete, right? Like it's kind of like mountain bikers. Like, you know, you would never just send somebody out and be like, Hey, you know, just because you're good, you're a cat five or four. I don't know how the categories really work, but you know, just because you love going downhill doesn't mean you're only gonna be good at being a downhiller. Like maybe try some XC, like mm-hmm. ride a little bit longer. Don't have your wife shuttle you up every time you do the shoots. Like <laughs> just Ugh. get yeah. know, <laughs> just <laughs> coming up. It's the third time this week. Third yeah. time this week, yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah, like you know, try, try something new, you know, try something different, especially when you're new to the sport. So I literally gravitated towards everything. Like when I went to a bike race, I raced everything. But that being said, I think I'm stubborn, and so I think I raced things that people said I wouldn't be good at because I was bigger. So right. that kind of started to push me. To, everybody was always like, "John, your 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 legs are huge. You're massive. Like you're a sprinter." And so, like, I would always start to pull away and go, "Okay, I'm going to race the scratch race and the points race and the omium yeah. and the this and the that." And I was never really actually that great at it in the beginning because I didn't have that much endurance (laughs) right? um, because I had a lot of power. And so a lot of it was, and that's why I say, you know, those three individuals, those three individuals, I've probably gotten to several arguments with almost to blows, like kind of arguments, like because I was stubborn, like I would try to rush things. I would push things and push the envelope. And so, yeah, when I got into track, I gravitated towards everything, but I think I really loved the things that people said I couldn't do. And then I did it anyway. Yeah. That's, I, I guess. Is that where I for you?
2: It. Yeah. If somebody says you can't, then you're like, oh man, game time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I still deal with that now. Like even to this day, like, um, you know, I'm dealing with like, oh, you're too big for this or, and it's funny because it's like, if you can win X, mm-hmm. then we'll send you to Y. And it's like, okay, I want X. And it's like, oh, actually, we don't have the budget. We can't do this. We can't uh, do that. Or you're not metal capable. You're too old. You're too big. You're just like, okay, man, well, what's give me a metric that I can control. I can't control my age. I can't control like my weight as of right now. Yeah. Um give me a metric. And it's always it's just funny trying to figure out those metrics and figure out those things. But yeah, I I gravitated towards things that um I should have never won. Like I I would love to know this, which, you know, we should put this out there, but I think I probably am the biggest guy to go in a team pursuit. Like I've, I definitely probably have the world record for being the biggest dude. Just pound pursuit. for pound. Yeah. Biggest pound per pound, probably pound for pound for a 4k. Like I would think so. Yeah. I think, yeah. Cause I think when I did, uh, four minutes and 16 seconds in Aguas or no Bolivia, um, I was two fifteen.
2: Okay. Yeah. That's, it's huge in the cycling world yeah in
0: the cycling world that's like that's massive obese yeah yeah to a cyclist yeah wow so i i would like to think i'm the clydesdale track cyclist (laughs) well maybe i can make that stick (laughs) (laughs) is there a logo there yeah Uh,
3: you've proved a lot of people wrong because i mean you hold the national record for team pursuit yes yeah which that's that's no small feat yeah uh I've, i've heard from several people that uh you're great to draft too
0: well, I'm a big dude. So, yeah, I'm assuming I'm great to draft. And see, that's another thing that I love, too, is, like, you know, for the group ride, you know, we have, like, a select four or five guys here. And so for the group ride, we have a group ride here in Colorado Springs, you know, the Kesha group ride. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's the pinnacle of all pinnacle rides. It's the world championships of Saturday. Um, <laughs> like, honestly, if I, I wish I could get a jersey made, like, I want to make a jersey just for Saturday rides because I think it would be funny. Um, but yeah, we literally, we literally, like I have five to six friends that for 45 minutes, we hate each other we're, and we're all teammates. And like, we do everything in our willpower to drop one another. We do everything in our willpower to break each other's spirits. Um, <laughs> like there's nothing more fun when you finish the ride. Cause it's an out and back when you're riding back and you just see all your friends slowly coasting in the other mm-hmm. direction mm-hmm. because they haven't finished the loop yet. Uh huh. It's great. And so <laughs> me and my Madison partner, which is a discipline of the track, right. yep. you know, where you sling each other in, mm. um, which we can dive into here in yeah, a bit, but we li- that was our goal was to try to drop one another to be as fast as we possibly can be. And we did that for eight weeks and we literally almost raced the Madison like we were trying to drop one another because we were just riding hard as we could every time we were in and we ended up lapping the field and winning. So, there you go. <laughs> so I guess it works. Yeah, it works. It works. It was cool. We just rode as hard as we possibly could. It was awesome. <laughs> nice.
2: All right. Yeah. So let's talk through uh, some of these disciplines. Yeah. Yeah. For the one, for the most of the people who don't know out there, we'll start with the Madison because you okay. mentioned it because I think this one's hilarious.
0: Yeah. It's, it's literally, I like to think of it as WWE on bikes. <laughs> and it's it's tag team wrestling uh-huh. and
2: you you literally sling your partner in right. and cuz it's it's two guys per team right and you are alternating laps alternating
0: or, just exchanges just, so like it could be depending on the speed of it you know like we you try to be a little bit strategic with it i think the more exchanges the better
2: okay personally, Cause it's, because because it's just, a race for distance correct it is or, yeah it's 50k 50k and sprints only every 10 sprints every 10 yeah so those are points oh <laughs> yeah. So, and but then, only one person is riding at a time
0: yep all right and then the guy comes down as they see the string of guys coming the guy comes down they exchange and now that guy's in the race and then that guy goes up to the rail and again to describe
2: it for people who don't know that exchange is literally in a pack field on a track going at a ridiculous speed you have to actually yeah. grab hands like with yeah, the other guy yeah, 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 yeah. And one guy pulls while the other guy tries to slingshot past him.
0: Dude, I am not gonna lie, like because this was created in like the 1900s in <laughs> Madison Square Garden, like that's how it's all started. Uh-huh. I would love to know what was going through those guys' minds like, for them to have the time to go. Oh, this makes sense. How drunk was everybody? <laughs> because, because like for me, you know, like w- the last one I did was in Switzerland, and we averaged so average speed was 57 k an hour. so that means the sprints are upwards of like what 62 63k an hour that's crazy uh, yeah it was mental and so like the it's getting so fast to the point where it really doesn't matter like the sprint doesn't matter as much like because you're not sprinting anymore the whole thing is you yeah you're just holding position at this point so like if somebody passes you you just know that you need to move up like the moment it lulls because Literally at this point, it's going so fast in the sprints that if coming into bell lap, so the, the mm-hmm. lap for the sprint, nobody, like the top four have scored. Like that nobody's like, like just pa- nobody's like passing anybody and like wow. swinging up and going back to the back to recover. Like, yeah, yeah. it's just that fast. And how many, how many teams are in these usually? In that one there, I mean, I guess you can have a maximum of 24, Ow. um, <laughs> Oh, so what's that 48 people on the track at once people on the track uh, mm.
3: again
0: it, and you're you're also trying to like not black out and like you know because like is that my color blue like because you got italy and team usa and it's like well oh, that's very close in blue um mm. and you're trying to figure out who's who and what's what and where's where and so like there's even an order when you're on you're racing on relief even though you're not in the race mm-hmm. so you're not actually recovering because you're-, you're trying to pay attention to okay, where is Italy? Where is Switzerland? Switzerland's behind me. Okay. Now where are they in the race? Okay. That's where they're at in the race. Cause then when you guys are close enough together, you guys are all coming down at the same time and you don't want to block each other or get somebody thrown into the back of you.
2: So you're jockeying for position, even when you're not like yeah. you're, you're working for position, even when you're not the guy. The
0: worst thing that can happen. And it's like the saddest time of your life is missing exchange. Mm. Ooh. when you guys just like you touch hands and you're like i've been in this race long enough and you miss that exchange and you know you have to go for at least another lap or two and you're it's demoralizing because you're defeated at that point you're doing like 130 rpms um because you you don't want the gear to be too big because the right. on off up at mm-hmm. the up at mm-hmm. the rail it you know so like in the race yeah you're doing anywhere from 115 to 145 rpms oh my god oh, man and i can't wait.
3: They, until races open up again. I, I need to watch some of these. Well, I honestly, need to in person.
0: Honestly, at this point, and, uh, you know, pause this podcast, go to YouTube, type in Madison World Championships, and just watch for, like, like fast forward through it, watch the middle, and it's nuts. It's actually bonkers. <laughs> yeah. And, and it, but it looks like it's just like a school of fish. Like, it's insane, like how it works. Because everybody kind of just knows what they're doing. And it's just this like school of fish and this process huh. and a ridiculous speed. Yeah.
3: <laughs> okay. So that's one discipline. <laughs> yeah. It's
0: <that's laughs> just one discipline. Number oh no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and there are some of these, and I cannot remember which one it is by the name. So you'll have to correct me. Yeah. I'll but there are it. some truly diabolical evil ways that they have come up with races in track of, yeah, you got to win. What is the one that begins where it's like, Different, more points per lap, but it counts up every single lap.
0: Okay. That's the tempo race. Okay. That's, yeah, that's so, and that's only in the Omnium. All right. The moment that they start bringing that out as like a standalone race, like health insurance is going to be so expensive. <laughs> All right. Talk us through it. It's a mental race. So the, you know, they even know it's mental because for the first five laps, it's technically neutral. So there's no points <laughs> being scored. So uh-huh. it's... It's 10 K. So it's 40 laps. Um, and the first, it's like five or six laps are neutral. I don't even know. Cause like I black out like it <laughs> and, and like the different size of the track, it's different. Like how long the neutrals mm-hmm. and how long the things are, but every single lap, the first person only. So if you're second in the string of people, you're not scoring anything. The first person across the line gets one point. That's it. That's it. And then if that person, if anybody in the field laps the field, that's 20 points. Oh. But if that person's off the front, they're scoring points, right? So like, it's, you're still second, even though you're the first one trying to bring it back. right? And so until he makes contact, you can't start scoring on the front. And it's all up to the commissaire (laughs) when they decide that it's, you know, a lap. So that gets kind of confusing. So you're like... You're watching that guy, like, trying to see when he laps, so that you know when to go. And then you're also watching the commissaire, the ref in the infield, who's pointing at the field to deem who's at the front of the race. It's mental.
2: But, yeah, that— And so for 40 laps, you're edging around, trying to get position, hoping that you're the guy across the front at just that last second right before you cross the line. Yes. Over and over and over.
0: And it goes back to the Madison, like it's going so fast at this point that usually if you're on the front, like people aren't just like pipping you at the line and swinging up and going to the back. Like, it's just because if you do that, eventually you're going to detonate and you're going to get dropped out of the race. So gotcha. there's some strategy to it, but yeah, I mean, it's literally about as simple as that. Like first one across the line gets one point, you lap the field, you get 20. (laughs) <laughs> so, it's so brutal. i yeah. love watching some of these races on youtube it's just well, so fun it's it's even funny because like us watching it on youtube like we just watch it right mm-hmm. like you actually race it and you don't really realize like how mental the race is like how fast it is how close everybody is um yeah just how insane like you like you just watching the madison watching guys exchange you're just like oh okay. But, like, they're exchanging, like, you're putting it into context of, like, okay, they're exchanging at 60K an hour. Like, that's faster. Like, <laughs> your soccer mom would be pissed if you were in her neighborhood going that fast. Like, you know what I mean? And so yeah. it's, like, it's, yeah, it's, it's mental, like, the speeds.
3: Yeah. Um, and riders go down at that pace, too. Yeah, and then
0: and the best part of that is, is you have 2K. So that's six laps to get back into the
2: race. So... It is you don't even get the mercy of just being pulled off the track. It's like no, no, no. You can get no, back in. Well,
0: here's the thing: if you get pulled off the track, especially in the Omnium, that the tempo is in, mm-hmm. which I'll, you know, I'll just go ahead and explain the Omnium. But yeah, if if you if you get pulled out of the race, you DNF. In technicality, it's like a stage race. So if you DNF, you can't start the next event. Oh, oh no! And if you can't start the next event, like you're out of the Omnium.
2: So yeah. Okay, so the, the Omnium.
0: Omnium starts with a scratch
2: race. Okay, wait, Which, what's the scratch race?
0: So the scratch race is literally a straight up race. It's 10, just 10K.
2: 10K, first across the first line. First
0: guy across the line, you lap the field, you're obviously a lap up, okay? okay. Pretty simple. The next race is the tempo race, like we just mm-hmm. chatted about. But the way it works is, is you score points. So like first, the guy who won the scratch race gets 40 points, it goes 38, 36, so on and oh so boy. forth, okay. all the way down. And eventually uh. the gaps start to become bigger. So like the difference between you getting 10th Mm-hmm. And you getting fifth is actually kind of massive. It's not just the two yeah. point kind of differential because like, as it starts to trick down the seven, about seventh place, the point gap starts to expand. Mm-hmm. Okay, The next race is the tempo race. And then after that race goes into the elimination, which it is about as mental as it sounds. Uh-huh. So they pull a rider every other lap. it's the last guy across the line and by the last guy it's the last it's their end of the wheel so if you bike throw but you have a longer bike you you can still still get pulled out (laughs) because it's just the it's the back of your wheel um and so the reason why the first two races are super important for this is because the way they seed you in the start of the race and like put you on the rail or put you in the blue band is banked based off the overall total omnium results, right? Yeah. So in theory, if you've won the scratch race and you won the tempo race you're at the front of the elimination race. So you've got the most runway. Yep. Every race starts with a neutral lap, but I will tell you this right now, an elimination <laughs> race neutral lap, it's knives out like full gas. <laughs> like even pe- I've seen it. I think we I think people are getting smarter at this point, but like people are like if they feel like they got a bad start, they'll just unclip and be like, oh, sorry. And then they'll restart the race. Oh. But, if, but if you do that too many times, people catch on yeah, and yeah. you can get in a lot of trouble. But um, <laughs> And then to finish it all off, you finish with a hundred lap points race, sprints every 10 laps, and this is where it gets interesting. The points that you've accumulated over the entire Omnium, those are the points you're going into with your points race. So let's say you go into the points race with a hundred points. You win the first sprint. Now you have 105 points. You picking up what I'm putting down. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. You lose a lap. You just lost 20 points. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, and it's, oh, that's so bad. and it's based off, like if you lose a lap, so it's based off of how they want to score it. So, um, like if I lapped a field of 24, I would just gain 20 points. They wouldn't lose 20 points. Like not right. everybody loses yeah, 20 yeah. points. But if there's a guy off the back of that field, so he's deemed off the out back. of the peloton, mm-hmm. he would lose twenty points. I wouldn't gain anything until I make connection with the field. Okay, so okay. I know that gets kind of <laughs> mental, man. But, but so yeah. much to think about. When so you there's ten split. sprints, Uh huh. and that's the omnium. That, okay?
2: <laughs> <laughs> wow. I got all right. This is all fine. And already my head hurts just sitting here in the blanket fort with nothing else to do. How on earth are you keeping track of all this when you are breathing out of your eyeballs doing 135 RPMs? I'm not going to lie. When you brought me in here and you said you wanted
0: to talk about every single track discipline, I was like, oh shit. Okay, yeah. here we go. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, But, but, but yeah, yeah, like
2: how? Um, or do you just have a coach in the infield who is screaming at you and you trust him and don't think
0: a mixture of things. Okay. Like,
2: so we, I, I was lucky enough
0: to have, I had my wife at nationals mm-hmm. and so she's literally looking at the live results and she's going up five, down five. Like, okay. so she's literally with hand signals telling me where I'm at. Okay. Wow. Um, and that literally that's all that matters in the points race. Right. Mm-hmm. Like at that point, it's like, how many points am I off of first? That's what I want to know.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, And, and I mean, it it dictates, it's a little different for everybody, right? Like if you're in fifth place, you probably don't want to know how far you are off from first, like that could be like 20 points. Right. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, so it's, a lot of it is you have to be checked in because at, especially at a national level, one thing that happened this year is the tempo race just detonated. Like there's bodies all over the track. And that and you guys probably heard me talk about it earlier with the commissaire in the middle of the infield Mm -hmm. pointing Uh at the racers. Paying attention to that commissaire is a game changer because so in the tempo race this year, there was two guys off the front. So in reality, no one's scoring points. Yeah. So it's just the two of them. If you and if you think about it, your best result at this point is third. It's an omnium. Mm -hmm. You don't need to win every event. You just have to win the final.
2: You just got to stay in touch.
0: So I was watching the commissaire the entire time pointing at the the lead group. When they eventually made connection, that's when I went to the front. Mm. And people didn't know what was going on or why I was riding the front the whole time. They were like, they just thought I was like chasing those two guys down. But they didn't know Uh, that they were deemed a lap. Because literally you go from watching... The commissaire point across the track, and guys, you probably can't see me. I'm uh, no, nobody <laughs> else can see.
2: He's uh pointing but, in one direction. <laughs> pointing in another direction,
0: and then the next thing you know, boom, he's pointing he or she is pointing at you. And the moment they start pointing at you, you're the front of the bunch.
2: Okay, and, so and they've got their 20, and now we're back to now whoever's at the front. Now
0: now this is the front of the
2: race. Whoa. Okay.
0: Yes. And so it it it's it's literally like you have to yeah, you just have to pay attention. And I think my best advice for a lot of people like going into the race is like decide what you're going to do, like decide why you're going to do it and then implement it. Like, and you guys have probably seen this. You guys have probably done it. I know I have, but I'm always like, it's going to be a field sprint. Yeah. And then 20 seconds into the race, I'm off the front of the bike, bike race. And you're just like, (laughs) what the heck are you doing, man? And I think in track, it's very like, you have to be very confident in going and understanding like not every time is it. Going to work out, but understanding that, like, all right, I don't care what happens in the scratch race. I'm just going to go for the field sprint. Yeah. And if five guys go up the road, then I'll make an audible. But at this point, like, I just need to get third or I just need to get second. I just need to be in contention to where I'm not losing too much points to the final. And literally, I was second or third in every event until the points race. I won the points race. Man, And so like, that's kind of how you have to play it because then at that point, it it levels the, like the GC gets settled. It's kind of like the tour. Like yeah. You, yeah. Yeah. Nobody wins the tour on the first day. No. And so it's kind of mm. like, it's kind of the same thing, but, um, you have to be cognizant of who you're racing against, what their strengths are and what their weaknesses are, and then where they're at in the standings. Because for all you know, somebody in fifth who maybe had a bad elimination race, um, you know, you're not thinking about them. They lap the field, boom, they're five points up on you. Now they're first. Well, wow. because they just scored 20 points, right? And maybe yeah. they scored five points in the interim of taking a lap. Because a lap, I mean, if it sprints every 10 laps, you're not taking a lap in under 10 laps. So you're at least going to hit one sprint at some point. You get what I'm saying? Okay. So it's you gotta so on average you're probably scoring anywhere from twenty three to twenty five points per lap when you so to makes and sense that's are these
3: typically for an omnium is it all one day
0: or is it over yeah couple? so the way they did it at the olympics too so before it used to be two sessions in one day okay yeah. and it's changed over the course of you know the olympics of 2008 like it's there's been a different omnium since then i think 2016 is the first time they implemented this format but um but yeah the uh the main thing is is that um it it's all in one day some people run it in two sessions so they do a morning session and a night session mm-hmm. at the olympics i think they only had one hour between each, each one hour between each event oh but, my gosh. gosh but like an elimination race takes seven minutes seven minutes yeah but i did like the last so when i won elimination race national championship that was i did 500 watts for seven minutes and 50 (laughs) seconds (laughs) and i have i have the and the people were no chance i literally have the file yeah wow and so it's it's quick but it's intense yeah and so Uh the scratch race under 20 minutes okay the points race is probably gonna be your longest event anywhere from around 23 to 25 minutes
2: man
3: that's impressive. So I, my background is running track Yeah, and I was a sprinter. 400 meter was kind of my cap out. And you know, when I have a meet where it's like one, two, four, four by four, four by one, you throw those in there. The recovery time in between is so crucial. Yep. The same, same kind of deal. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And, and like literally you set up, you set up your day for the Omnium, right? Like you're setting up what food you bring, mm-hmm. like you're setting up cool down options you're setting up like yeah like do you leave the track do you come back to the track do you order takeout like to Mm -hmm. have in the middle of the track do you not eat lunch and you just kind of survive on gummy bears monster and gatorade you know like what do you do and so yeah it's just it literally the recovery is super important especially when like this year was in t-town which is uh, in Pennsylvania. It's right outside of Philly, about an hour outside of Philly in June. It's like a hundred degrees and it's 80% humidity. So mm. like you're drenched in sweat. Yeah. So yeah, hydration's is important. Everything's important. So yeah. Wow. All right.
3: <laughs> well, that's such a fun, uh, overview of some of the disciplines we don't have yeah. to go into all yeah, of them. the thing
0: is is like you, you've pr- you pretty much did with the omnium right like because okay. then you know the scratch race is a standalone event the elimination race is a standalone event and the points race is a standalone event and gotcha. then, then you have the madison and that's man
3: yeah have you ever considered doing any of those uh red bull circuits like the, just the two the little guys. tiny Yeah. Oh, yeah. No,
0: yeah. The, 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 what is the tiny drums? They call yeah. them, there's like a name for it. Yeah. I, I can't remember anything. what it is right now. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. it's like a mini drum, something like that. But yeah, I've thought about that. I've even thought about there's a Red Bull crit, like a fixie crit. Oh. And what is it? Like they bring all the influencers out. I don't think I'm influency enough, but
2: I really I would want to do that. <laughs> I think that would be a lot of fun. Yeah. So. It would be fun. So here's the real question then. We've got this established. We've, we've painted a bit of a picture yeah. of the track world. What then is it like for you with that kind of high intensity, super fast, watching everybody around you, thinking through numbers, thinking through laps, what's going on in your head when you are out in the woods by yourself in the middle of the Leadville 100?
0: Shit. That, like, so literally, I won nationals, and I had a great, great nationals campaign, and then I just trained and raced, like, there was a couple UCI Omniums for the next, like, five or six weeks, and I was living in T-Town. I was living in a college dorm with actually a friend of mine here, my Madison partner, and yeah, I was just doing track Omniums, and then I called my wife, and I was like, I just don't know, like, I haven't even looked at anything dirt. Like, the most dirt I've done is, like, the gravel that I have in my driveway to get out of the apartment (laughs) complex, Yeah, and she was like well you know we got to do it for sponsors and whatever else and then then i was like trying to figure out like should i drive the van like do i drive the van and because it literally i finished um all this campaign and then it was august what is it that monday is like august 7th august 10th leadville's on the 15th mm-hmm. and so i have five days so it's going to take me two days to drive to colorado and so i was just like fuck it i'll book a I'll book a flight from philly so i flew from philly straight to Colorado Springs, built my gravel bike. I didn't clean my, gr- oh God, this is bad. <laughs> I didn't clean my gravel bike after Unbound. So I did Unbound. I did Unbound. I did time trial state championships and then I drove to T-Town. And oh, I had man. been gone for two months at that point. And so I cleaned, cleaned my bike, checked my bike, put sealant in the tires because I, I I know we're talking about Leadville here, but I was thinking, oh shit, like I have to ride Steamboat the day after Leadville. Then I put my, then I put my bike together for Leadville and I was like, I don't know if I can go under nine hours. Like what, what am I missing in the sense of going under nine hours? So I threw aero bars on and then I pulled out a new road suit. I had a skin, like a skin suit style road suit. Uh I definitely got made fun of for that too, which is fine. I don't (laughs) care. Um, My thing is, is like a watt is a watt, you know, Yeah, like pound is a pound. Like if you can save, if you can save time, you can save time. Like, I literally did leadville at 215 pounds, 220 pounds, and I went under eight, under nine hours. Like, yeah, na- that, like that's let the numbers speak for themselves. Yeah. Uh-huh. Scares. And so, can't argue with that. I was totally cool with that. And, um, but yeah, what was going through my mind is like, I was really scared because I was talking a big game of going under nine hours. I was really mm-hmm. scared I wasn't going to be able to go under nine hours. But man, I felt like a million, the cajillion, thousand bucks. All the way up to, so I did combine and I had the support of Wynn and my wife from Twisted Spoke. Yeah. Um, he brought a tent out and he literally ran aid station for me. All of this was decided on Monday, by the way. Like he literally just <laughs> can- canceled what he was doing. Slept in his car. He's a great dude. Slept yeah. in his car. And uh yeah, he just, he goes, I'll figure it out. And like, I was almost nervous because I was like, we did it so quick. And he was just like, I'm just going to figure it out. I was like, what? like dude i don't even know where you're like i don't even know where i'm supposed (laughs) to go to to see you yeah he's like dude just trust me you'll see me and sure freaking enough he was at twin lakes was at 50 miles in Mm -hmm. and then 80 miles in yep and yeah he i and the twin lakes is the most beautiful and like all these aid stations there's three of them right it's like pipeline twin (laughs) lakes um there's one other. Am I missing one? I don't uh, know. Yeah, can turn around. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah. missing one. But anyways, this is, it's, it's a beautiful thing because like you see these people connecting with their families, but it's also the saddest thing in the world when somebody can't, they're like, my wife's supposed to be right here. Oh, no. And my <laughs> wife's like telling me all these stories of like, <laughs> where are you? Yeah. And like, people yelling like out. she yeah. was like, yeah, I was like giving other people food and like, you know, people are like, where's my husband? Where's my kids? Like, like they're banking on these people to be there and they're (laughs) They're just not not there. And it's like a sea of people. And, but you're riding with these people. Right. And like, it's kind of like a mutual respect thing. Like some people Mm -hmm. go, but like majority of people stop and it's kind of weird how it works. It's just like such a flawless system. Everybody ends up back together. But yeah, what was going through my mind was just like, where are these people going to be? Like, what am I going? (laughs) What am I experiencing? I also suck at mountain biking, by the way, like anything going downhill, like, I'm scared. What's going to be
2: my next question? Yeah. Because <laughs> like, I had not heard a lot of dirt in
0: your past so far. Dude, well, my first, well, so that, we'll dive into the first gravel race here in a second. But, like, just to get back to Leadville in the sense of, like, me sucking at mountain biking. So there's a descent, like, you you do kevins. It's all pretty open. And this is, like, where everybody's like, oh, you probably do it on a gravel bike. Here's the moment you can't do it on a gravel bike. Because when I mean, you're going down Powerline. Mm-hmm. And giant washouts i am i i am in the red corral which is right behind the gold corral and i think mm-hmm. this has to do with my license not anything to do with who i am um yeah. nobody knows who i am over there you know it's not like this <laughs> like, national champion like that's no, just like john hoop <laughs> yeah pretty much and it's funny because i flew there or i went there with an olympian i went there with jen valente and she mm literally the week before just won gold in Tokyo. Oh man. And so it was, it was kind of cool, but uh, she was in the gold corral and we had this like idea that we were just going to meet with each other and we were going to ride together, whatever. But anyways, I'm, I'm going down power line. And at this point, like, it's kind of like everybody's spread out because of key and like, you mm-hmm. know, fitness is starting to tell, like either some people are holding some back or people are starting to detonate or people are going too hard. Yeah. And so everybody's kind of riding their own pace at this point. It, it's no longer a sea of people. I unclip and stop for a second because of the section was just too gnarly, and I was like gonna walk it, and this like I don't know sixty year old man is just like yeehaw, you know, like baggy <laughs> shorts, just like <laughs> like straight through it, and like one dude even was just like, "How did you even make it in this corral?" It was just like yeah. rides off, and I'm just like, "Oh crap!" Uh, and like yeah, like I was legit getting made fun of the whole time, and I was like, "John, we want to finish it." Like, this is, we're what, like 15 miles in at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, yeah, the last thing I need to do is kill myself being 15 miles in. Um, but yeah, that was kind of my big thing was like, it, nothing pisses me off more when somebody's like, oh, yeah, I'm going easy today. And they park it at 300 watts and you're just like, I thought you said you were going easy. Well, I am going easy. And it's kind of like, <laughs> I kind of had that same feeling with Leadville where like all the mountain bikers are like, oh dude, it's practically a road race. Yeah. And I'm like, how many road races have you done? Well, I've never done a road race. <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> I was going to say, because we do all say that yeah, about you, Leadville. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. everybody says that. And it's totally cool because uh, it is
2: like a road race to you guys.
0: <laughs> it's
3: all relative.
2: Yeah, Yeah. The number of mountain bikers that I've heard where if somebody <laughs> asks like, can I do that on a drop bar bike? the oh, mountain yeah. bikers are like oh yeah
3: well <laughs> and
2: then yeah, you see them think.
0: <laughs> and you could definitely have arrow bars um i will say that i had them they were great mm-hmm. yeah um 26 miles of pavement it's pretty nice dude i was dropping people like yeah yeah i like and it was like a headwind on the way back um yeah i just kind of tucked it and people were getting mad and i was just like <laughs> like because they wanted to ride with me but they were like you're riding too hard and i was like i'm not gonna make it in nine hours, if I don't ride this hard, like I had the little yes, sheet, gotta go. Yeah, so I got like, and I knew that, like I, the thing is, I had to go really, really fast on the flat parts, and I just had to take my time on the climbs.
2: Yes, yeah. yeah, it's literally coaching one on one for me. So wait a minute, you said you were going to steamboat? You did lead boat then? Oh God, yeah. So <laughs> <I> finish because <laughs> I have one, I I am so curious about this. Like
0: well, I think they happened? canceled it as they should have. Um, <laughs> I don't think I think. With just like maybe there is still some sort of lead boat, but I think with like the new lifetime, okay, Grand Prix stuff, like they yeah, just kind of threw Italy. the lead boat thing out the water because nobody cared about it as much. Because COVID affected lead boat, right? Yeah. Like lead boat was supposed to happen in twenty twenty, mm-hmm. and then it got pushed off, and like certain influencers and mm-hmm. certain pros didn't make it in, and blah blah blah,
2: and so because again, sort of for the folks at home, we're talking about Leadville one hundred. Yes, wake up the next morning in steamboat. Yeah, black route. Yeah. Yeah. Which is another 140 miles. 144, bro. 144. Yeah. yeah. Let's not don't, forget don't those do, last four. Don't you, yeah. <laughs> don't you
0: ever forget those
2: last four. Uh, what did it feel like waking up the next morning? You blink your eyes a couple times and you think, yeah, I got to do that again.
0: Mate, I wasn't worried about waking up the next morning. I was like, I finished, I uh-huh. legit finished, sat down, wins next to me. He's stoked as fuck. Like, just yeah. like, cause he's like, dude, you just did that under nine hours. Like, that's awesome. My wife is amped. She's proud because she knew I was really worried about it. And all I could think about is like, do we really have like, do we really have to go to Steamboat tomorrow? I don't even think we had a hotel. Oh <laughs> my gosh! That. Like, I don't think we had housing. Um, and I was just like, do we really have to do this? Like, I'm totally. And like at this point, like sometimes my wife, like you know, she reminds me that like what she sacrifices, yeah, to do like what we do. And if you guys haven't like we did a podcast on it, which i never thought would anybody would listen to it. But some people love that. Like the, what's it like to be a wife who doesn't ride and doesn't really care about cycling. (laughs) Um, And, but she's really supportive. And so like, I tried to like manipulate that. And I was just like, look, babe, like we can go home and we can hang out all day tomorrow. So great. It'd be great. And she was like, no, (laughs) no, you're going, we're going, I want to go to steamboat. And I was like, what are you going to do? Like, we can just go to steamboat if you want. <laughs> like, I don't have to, she's like, nope, we'll hang out after steamboat. Literally uh, we went to steamboat and it wasn't even steamboat. We stayed at like, I think it was Yampa. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. it's Yampa. Yampa. Yeah, yeah. And this is just, like this little town has one restaurant and we're staying in it. And, um, we eat dinner, we go to sleep, we wake up the next morning. I do steamboat. I finish steamboat. I get into the car and we drive home. And as I'm like 30 minutes, like passing Yampa on the way home, I'm like, I thought we were going to hang out in Steamboat. She's like, I didn't want to hang out in Steamboat. I was like, that's some true support. You got played. Yeah. It was, it was rough, but that, that was the thing. It was like, um, the, the, it was like, yeah, waking up to go do Steamboat the next day. Um, and not even, and still being 30 minutes away from Steamboat. Yeah. Like it, yeah, I I had never been in so much pain and just, like, fatigue. Um, I tried to stay with the front group of Steamboat, like, in the first... And I even told myself I wouldn't. But, like, in the first 20 minutes of the race. And then... But here's the thing. There's, like, people there... Like, I'm not good enough to be up front with, like, Pete Stetna, Colin Strickland. So I'm just good enough to be in the mix of that mm-hmm. stuff. But if I'm fatigued, then I'm behind all that stuff. And then I'm with the guys who like the, the guys who have real jobs and lives and stuff, but are insanely strong. And you're just like, what yeah. the, what do you do? Yeah, like, like how, how do you do this? And, but then they ride really sketchy and really scary. And I'm, so I'm just watching like, dude, it's, it's almost like bombs going off. Like, dude, just, just like, 40 year old dude flying off a bike and you junior flying off a bike, that guy running into that person. And I'm just like, Oh my God, like, where am I? What's going on? (laughs) So eventually I just stop. And I was like, I need a couple seconds, let some people pass, got back on the the bike. And I just rode my own pace. And I literally rode the majority of steamboat by myself. This is
3: amazing to me coming from someone who's in a brawl on the track all the time
0: when here's my thing i can only control what i can control uh uh-huh. so if old mate in front of me decides to just like time to take a nap like he's gonna decide for <laughs> me that it's my time to take a nap too fair and enough. i have no choice fair <laughs> enough so and it's not his fault like yeah uh, well it kind of is but it's i'm not gonna blame him for that like this for is what the, you know what sudden i mean
2: lack of glycogen
0: <laughs> well i'm yeah i'm not gonna blame him for the fact that he can't handle his bike like he's allowed to register for that race. He's allowed to be there. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, he's just as stoked to be, he's probably more stoked to be there than I am at this point. <laughs> and honestly, you know, we all deserve to be there. And so my thing was, is like, if I'm going to get upset because somebody crashes in front of me, then I just need to be stronger to where I'm riding in front of that person. Mm, that's yeah. my, that's kind of my thing. I'm, it's is, like, just respect
2: all... everybody's space. So, uh, My sister-in-law played soccer at Boston College. Okay. And after she got out, stopped playing soccer essentially forever. And when I asked why, she never just like went and threw down in like local, you know, beer league, soccer game or whatever. She said, there's no way I'm going into that. I played with people who knew how to control their bodies, knew where they were in space and knew exactly what was happening. Yes. And now I'm in a community league where I'm just going to get annihilated by somebody who just doesn't know what they're doing. Is that sort of what it felt like yeah. in that moment? Like you can be inches away from somebody on the track because you know, everybody there is dialed versus you're out on the well, gravel see, and you have a, no idea. I'm
0: in a funny place because, you know, let's rewind. Like you're, you said your sister-in-law or is your yeah, sister? sister-in-law. So your sister-in-law, okay. She was a soccer player. Right. I've never been a gravel racer. I've never been a mountain biker. Gotcha. There. So I'm just as stupid strong and I don't, mm-hmm. des- I did not deserve to be in the red corral. Was it an okay place to be because of like time cuts and whatever else? Hell yeah. But I do not deserve to be in some of those situations that I'm in. Mm-hmm. So I'm also just as bad of a handler. <laughs> so in you're kind some of a danger so. to yourself and others so out there. Yeah. So like part of me gets kind of nervous, like riding around certain people because I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm a bit above my head right now. And yeah, when like, for example, like Eddie Anderson, like he face planted in, some uh barbed wire i mean that dude's oh. like doing like perry ruby and stuff yeah you know like i think he's ridden some hard sectors i think he knows how to handle his bike and control his bike a little bit. so if i was going full gas through that too mm-hmm. oh no 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 that's <laughs> no bueno okay. bro
2: so what many of us do in the world of dirt is yeah you just lock into a wheel and you follow it no matter what like Absolutely. if you don't know how and a tech section aerobars, is gonna work
0: i have aero bars on my on my uh gravel bike too so um, I'm already a dork as is, um, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I have some gravel results, like uh, yeah, you know, unbound. Yeah, let's know. talk so about like, that. That well, I did exactly what I knew the only way I could win, and mm-hmm. the only way I could win is in the the first ten miles, actually ten minutes. I needed to be by myself, off the front. Yeah, because then I could ride everything at my own pace. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So like the Fast hard sections. Yeah. So the hard sections that are technical Mm -hmm. there was parts I I'm literally in a breakaway and I'm walking in certain points. (laughs) Yeah. It's cool. Um, smarter, not harder. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. And here's the thing, the way I'm looking at it is like, I really want to win nationals in four weeks or five weeks or whatever it was. Yeah. Like if I break my collarbone here, I'm gonna be pissed. (laughs) Like if I break my collarbone at nationals, it's like, Oh, cool, cool, cool. I did everything I could. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah. And so I rode away and literally I pissed off a ton of people and I think people were kind of just like at this point, they're like, Oh, he'll be back. Yeah. Yeah. We'll you get know, him. Like, we'll get him. He's going to blow up. I literally just parked it at 300 Watts for, I don't know. What was it? Five. Yeah. I think I did 300 Watts for five hours, but I put, <laughs> I, I, I literally just appreciate <laughs> that for a moment, yeah, we just, a moment I, of silence. I for literally that. just like, once I was gone, I rode the arrow bars and I changed my computer screen to the map and speed. That's the only thing I looked at. And it's funny cause I think I was talking to Nick Gould about this, about uh, Leadville. Mm-hmm. He's like, why weren't you looking at Watts? I was like, Watts don't matter. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, he's like, what happens if you blow up? And I was like, I'm going for a time. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like at this point, if it takes me a hundred Watts to do 50 K an hour on gravel, like they're struggling, dude. Like I just need to get as aero as I possibly can be. <laughs> and, and so I'm literally bringing track technology into the gravel for myself. Yeah, And, and that's, and that's what I did. And then eventually, like I started getting some fatigue because the amount of power that I did have to produce to go that fast, as well as through some of the sections that were really, really technical that mm-hmm. I was soft through, like, cause I went back and looked <laughs> and Stephen Hyde, did you guys know Stephen Hyde? Don't. Okay. Cross national champion. I think mm-hmm. five, five or so times us pro road for uh Cannondale. Um, he wrote all those sections like blazing fast. Like I'm talking about like two minutes faster. And that's like where he closed the time gap and he eventually catches up with me and I just start following his wheel and I'm like, all right, cool. I just got to make it to the finish with this guy. I'm like, I'm starting to cramp a little bit, but you know, I'm taking, I'm literally taking in a hundred carbohydrates an hour. Like I have this dialed, I should be fine. And he takes a line that I was like, okay, I think I got this and I took it. I was like, okay, I got that one. He took another one. It was downhill line. And I cased it and literally flat tire. Uh. So I put, he he's like trying to ask me if he should stop too. And I said, absolutely not. Like, this is a bike race. Like, do your thing. Yep, do like, your thing. I got a flat bro. It is what it is. Like, enjoy the race. Mm-hmm. And he, so he rolled on. Um, and then numero two. Yep. As I was fixing it, it just came rolling right by. And at that point, I was like, well, let's hang on for a podium. And then that's when the cramp started settling in. That's when the crosswind started settling in. That's Mm -hmm. when the slow leak is still going. I crossed the finish line with a flat tire. Oh, my gosh. But I will say this. I would not have won that race if Stephen Hyde was still with me into the finish. Because it goes up through a college, and it's all uphill. And then we have to like go through a parking lot and it's super technical, but I think I think he would have dropped me on the climb. Yeah. And I was actually thinking about it as I was like in third place going up this. And I think I was getting chased by like Leadville legend Dave something or another. Like hey, Dave Weens, That guy. Yeah. 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 And so that's <laughs> a scary chaser. And yeah, so like this and but he's like he's old, I think, right? Yeah, it's yes. big, it's making no me chicken. yeah. yeah, yeah he, He's an old dude. And mm-hmm. like, can he's still moved though. He is hauling ass. Like, I mean, he's <laughs> hauling ass and I thought he was going to catch me, but, and I'm, so I'm, I'm literally processing like, Oh, I would have gotten beat here. I would got beat there. And this guy's like chasing me, like, full <laughs> gas. Um, but yeah, I finish and you know, I get third and honestly getting that third place was like more publicity. Than winning like setting that national record, T Town, <laughs> yeah. I mean, in uh, in, in uh, um, wow, yeah, in Bolivia, yeah. Man. Well, but. I i just
3: want to zoom out for a second and remember at the beginning of this interview, you were talking about how people were pushing you to be more of a sprinter just because of your size, yeah. And then you're doing gravel races because you did the 200 mile, right? Oh, no, um, no, no. The, this or, is the 100 mile, the 100, 100. Yeah, okay. yeah.
0: So this was the 100, but then you did the
3: Leadville 100, yep. and then you did Black 144, up. yep, on the SBT. And you also did mid south, yeah. Right, and that, was that your first one?
0: That was my first one.
3: None of these are sprints. No, not a little we bit. We had any kind of confusion there,
0: bro. <laughs> but did you forget the other part that I said? I like to do things that people said I can't do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <But laughs> yeah.
3: You, you have, and well,
0: yeah. No, it's like so. Mid south, yeah. That was um, just like literally like riding through peanut butter for eight and a half hours. It just pissed oh. rain in Oklahoma, like. I'm sorry. I'm going to go ahead and say it on this podcast. Um, love the guys over at Mid-South. Like I think their energy, if you haven't been to Mid-South and you're a mountain biker, cycle cross rider, BMX rider, track rider, you're just a guy that or person that loves bicycles. You need to go see the people at Mid-South because they just put on an epic fucking race and they just (laughs) have a lot of fun. Um, but I am saying that I will not ride it this year if it is raining because <laughs> the part shortage right now, I'm, I'm not pro uh, like, yeah, I literally went through an entire group set in a frame. I and went through a, a frame. Bike, yeah. I went through a bike. So the wheels, the wheels survived.
2: Um, but you just grind away the frame from all the dirt that was sticking yeah, to your wheel.
0: It's it just peanut butter, man. And so yeah. it just stuck. Like, I think, so you ride, you know, you ride 20 miles out and then you hit the dirt or you hit the mud you hit the mud, ride, ride in the mud or whatever. And then at about mile 50, you hit this pavement section and you get into this town. Um, and that's where people are like spraying off bikes with pressure washers and like pretty much just helping you get your bike back up and running. And so my bike ran really well from mile like one to 10 mm-hmm. and then from 50 to 52. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, and then after that, I only had two gears it wouldn't shift into the big ring. I didn't have electronic shifting at the time, uh-huh. um, so it wouldn't shift into the big ring. So it's all cable, so it's all gunked yep. up, and yeah, that was that. And it would just skip. And so if I went over six hundred watts, my chain would just skip off because it was caked up so hard. So every once in a while, I'd have to stop, and then I'd have to spray it down. And I had to be careful because I was using my water. Right. Yeah, uh, that's
2: water you don't have. Yeah. Now. And no. so,
0: and I think it stopped. And that the, this is where it got worse. I think it stopped raining around like mile 60 so it's starting to get humid Uh, it's not rinsing the bike off anymore yep it's getting pasty yeah and so it's literally like turning into clay (sighs) and i think that was that was a hard hard day um just mentally uh physically and like at that point i had you know i keep hearing about leadville being like a nine hour adventure for 100 miles and you know, I go ride a hundred miles here in five hours. Yeah. So I was like, you know, that's a hundred miles. Nothing. (laughs) You know, and you you know, you go, you start to add a little bit of element of the, the red pavement into the game. It, uh, yeah, it's no fun, but, (laughs) but it is, it is kind of, it's an experience because like when you cross that finish line, like they know how hard it was. Mm hmm you know there. how hard it was and it's just like because they made it as hard as they possibly could make it without like being complete dicks yeah um and yeah they're just stoked and and they they congratulate you you have a beer at the finish line like people are telling you like you dude you're like one of the only people that finished you know like i got 60th and i finished in eight hours and 40 minutes <laughs> you know i averaged 11 miles an hour that's was, crazy i mean this mountain bike race yeah uh, it is, and then the year before that, they did it in five hours. No rain. So just put in context, it's not yeah. like it was super hilly or anything. Like, it was a good race for me, actually. Yeah. Um. There's a few punchy climbs, a few technical sections. But other than that, it's pretty much straight gravel race. Wow. Yeah. What What motivated these gravel races? I need money. <laughs> sponsors. Sponsors want to hang out in the gravel, gravel yeah. sphere. Yeah. And and honestly, it just looked like a lot of fun, mm-hmm. you know, and I, I, you know, it's funny to uh, I make the comments, well, oh, I need money. Uh, I don't get paid to do any of this shit. You know, yeah. it's, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, I drive a van, I sleep in somebody's parking lot or whatever. Um, but the characters that you get to meet at these races and the people that you get to meet. And like I said, I mean, when I just asked you guys, if you knew Stephen Hyde, you know, like that guy has a long laundry list of results, but at the end of the day, like you guys just love bikes. Like we just love bikes. Who gives a fuck what that guy did. And that's the cool thing. I think I did an interview with Velo news and they called me Jack Kron. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. They were like team pursuiter. Jack Kron is here. And I was like, like nobody cares, (laughs) you know? And like, it's actually kind of humbling, you know? Like, I don't Mm -hmm. like, yeah, I do cool things on the track and I have a lot of fun on the track and I've been, pretty successful for what what I've been given um do I have a lot of room that I can make up yeah for sure but I think what motivated the gravel things is is like it was different um I didn't have to win like there was no I didn't have to pull any results like I could still do it and just have fun like and at that point I had uh in 2019 after we set the national record I had gotten let go from the road team I was riding for and um, it had something to do with, you know, just budgets and whatever else. And I had to start a team and that's like, you know, around 2019, you know, you have to kind of figure out what are you going to do? And we didn't qualify for the Olympics and the team pursuit. And I was just like, well, I have a year. Yeah. So I just started signing up for gravel events. I pitched the idea of the van and mm-hmm. I was going to do a vlog thing out of the van. And then when the COVID hit literally at mid South, uh, when COVID hit and I did my first vlog, no more vlogs. So all these sponsors that I'm like, Hey, we're doing these vlogs, we're doing this, we're doing this. event." Yeah, yeah. it doesn't look very good during COVID. If I'm just like still, you know, going to Moab doing these events and mm-hmm. whatever else. No. And so I panicked, got drunk.
2: So it's a good thing to do when you're panicking. Yeah. 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 It's
0: a great thing to do. Um, started a podcast <laughs> it's called coffee and van chats and origin story yeah literally and i literally just started emailing everybody from under the sun didn't know them, didn't care just started emailing and saying hey would you want to jump on the podcast i even had uh andre greipel tell me to screw off pretty much so so if you guys are wondering yes i (laughs) have had people tell me no Um, okay so it happens (laughs) and and understandably so um but yeah he was pretty much just like yeah your podcast is not big enough like well, he did respond. That's <laughs> there you cool. go. Yeah, that's something. You know, that's kind of cool. Yeah, um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, but then I've also had the luxury of like meeting people and like getting to break away the athlete. And I think this is what you guys are doing. Like yeah. you're trying to take the athlete and the results away, and just there's a human there. There's like a mm-hmm. person. Like you know, I used to be scared of Katie Compton and like. <laughs> Just think yeah. of like, <laughs> like she was a there's hero good, of mine. <laughs> yeah. Like she's, she's, she's still a hero of mine. And like, um, and I met her on the group ride, um, here in, in, in Colorado Springs. And she's probably one of the sweetest humans I've ever met. One of the most yeah. helpful people I've ever met. And mm-hmm. like, that's like part of the reason, like, you know, I've had Pace and mckelvin, I've had pete stetna i've had you know james piccoli like world tour riders i've had um you know emma white chloe diger like you know you just go down the list of these like olympians and these They're somebody's hero and then you just now you've made them a person right like they go from being superman or superwoman to literally being a human yeah and it's cool i dig it yeah it's one of the mottos we have is yeah (laughs)
3: Get to know the human behind the headlines no, for sure, I think
0: that's great, yeah, I think that's great, so and yeah, is that what keeps you in it exactly what keeps me in it yeah. like I think I feel like a human mm-hmm. like um, and it's not just gravel racing either, it's like mm-hmm. like I think one one thing I attribute to my success over the last at least last year, and you know my wife's had to like kind of pull me back in, mm-hmm. um you know, this because like Olympics are getting closer and, yeah. um, and there's a lot of things I can't control like my age or, you know, missing out a year cause of COVID. And, um, yeah, I, I think last year, the reason why I was so successful is cause there was no pressure. I knew I wasn't going to worlds. I knew I wasn't going to the Olympics. I knew I wasn't going to this because they weren't going to send anybody. Yeah. And so I just went and raced and I went and rode and I didn't care if unbound was a week before nationals yeah i just did it and i slept in a parking lot for five days and yeah it was fucking rad
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, that's what it's all about
3: so fun to hear some of your journey Uh, and you've taken a a rather different route than a lot of people that we've talked to yeah Uh, well in in the professional sense like you just diving in and exploring everything
0: yeah no, I think, well, I think you have to, and I mean, uh, you know, like for a Katie Compton, it would have been easier, right? Like for her to go do gravel, it's like cyclocross gravel.
2: Okay, cool. <laughs> she um, she actually begged to differ when she was on the show. She was like cyclocross one hour done. I agree.
0: <laughs> no, I agree. I agree with that. But like dirt is dirt. Like yeah, yeah, kind yeah. Of, mm-hmm. it's yeah. not like short track is the same thing as even Leadville. Right. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um it's different like everything everything has their own beast and their own their own quirks right Yeah Um but yeah I, I think I I think my thing was like I, I just need to be relevant or if I'm not relevant then I can't continue to do what I love Yeah because like I I don't come from a lot of money and um you know, I I remember telling my parents for the first time that I was going to shave my legs to be a cyclist, and I was 290 pounds, and my dad was just like, "What the fuck?" Like, and we're in South <laughs> Carolina, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so like my old, you know, dad is just like, "Like, are you, you're just going to shave your legs, and that's going to make you a cyclist?" Like, I'm confused. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like if you just start lifting weights, you're a football player. So I understand the process, but w- what are you doing? And so, yeah, and yeah, it was really like. I'm going to fit in. Like I'm, I want to, mm-hmm. I want to do this. I'm going to go head first. And I think that's the thing. Like if you want something bad enough, like just yeah. go head first, like, and ask questions. Like I still to this day don't know everything. Mm-hmm. Don't, I don't, I'm not even close. Like so far off. Like, it's funny. I hate doing these podcasts because you know, you guys are so sweet and so nice. And you're <laughs> like, yeah, you're amazing. You're amazing. You're amazing. And it's like, I literally just spent two hours getting, hearing why I'm not, you know, like from <laughs> yeah. team USA and like, and, and, or why I can't get selected to do this. And cause you're not the best in the world. You're not metal capable and it's like, okay, well how do I become metal capable? And yeah, that's what I'm trying to figure out, man. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, to find funding, I have to create teams and to create teams, I have to run you know, manage people and to manage mm-hmm. people. Like I'm literally doing like 10 things just so I can race at a high level. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it's nuts. It's mental. I don't even know how we got there, but I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. And the honesty yeah. That. So like, that's, that's that. I mean, like in getting into racing and just like getting into, into doing what you want to do. It's like,
2: it, yeah, it's hard. So, So this may be a dead end question, but we'll see. Your background, you described other sports that you were in. So you were clearly athletic. You clearly tried other things as a kid. And now if we fast forward to where you are now, there is an undeniable passion to just ride. So I guess the question is, why? Like, What is it?
0: It's not a dead end question. Like, Like that I can give you a really good answer for. Um, Because it's something that I've kind of battled with and thought about. But when I played football and when I wrestled, like, the moment I played football, I started. Mm -hmm. It was good. Mm -hmm. No one ever told me I wasn't good. I never saw on a result sheet that I wasn't good. Wrestling was varsity. Ninth grade. You know, I come off the bench. Everything came easy. The first crit I ever did, I crashed. Like. (laughs) <laughs> First road race DNF. Like I was like, what the fuck? Oh, what is this? Like, what do you what do you mean? Like, yeah. I'm not good. Like, I I played on like the moment that football or wrestling or any of those things got hard, mm-hmm. I was just like, all right, peace. Like it shouldn't be this hard. Like I was killing it. Yeah. What yeah. happened? Mm-hmm. But cycling's always been hard, and I've never been good enough. Like, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm an eight time national champion. I'm still not good enough. And maybe like, now that I'm saying this all out loud, this is probably not healthy. like Now that I'm hearing it out loud, but, um, but yeah, like it, it was addicting, like, because, mm-hmm. and I do this with my athletes. One of the things that I tell my athletes, it's like to feel success, like you have to feel failure and you know, to know what hot is, you know, what cold is. Right. And so it's as simple as that, like you spend so much time failing that it makes that success feeling so much more dope. Yeah. Like, it's just so cool. And like, man, I won the U S national championship in the Omnium this year. and, And unfortunately some of the best guys weren't there due to the Olympics and retirement and it's Olympic year. So it's a big switch. And so yeah, maybe I won it on that technicality. But I will say this. In the previous years leading up to that, all the Omniums I ever did, I never finished. I'd always get dropped in the points race. I didn't have enough fitness to make it through the points race. So when you DNF, it's game, game over. So that being said, um, the one that I decided to finish, I won. <laughs> <laughs> and it just so happened to be Nationals. And like that to me like was like, okay, your training's working. Like yeah you're better. Like every year, every week, every day, um, I try to be better yeah. and in football and in wrestling and in other sports I played, uh, I didn't have to mm-hmm. because nobody was really pushing the standard. And that being said, to make it clear, like I, I, I never was, I never made it long enough to like, get college offers or it's not like i turned down some big d1 offers or anything yeah, crazy am. but i never made it that far mm-hmm. um could i have done it maybe but um but yeah i also used to sweat walking up the stairs when i was in the ninth grade you know like <laughs> it was just you know being 280 and smelling like beef you know it's, just a, <laughs> it's a rough life bro uh, uh, but yeah i think that's why that's why cycling like it it just wasn't easy it didn't come easy to me. And so when people come into the sport, like from other sports and they're just like, Oh, I didn't make it in X, Y, and Z sports. So I'm just going to come into this sport. I'm just like, buckle up, bro. Yeah. Cause I feel like I could have made it in two other sports, but I quit because I felt like I could make it <laughs> And now, <laughs> as you know. weird as that yeah. sounds. And, and you know, there's probably some pro wrestler listening to this or maybe, I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's some football player that's like, nah, dude, not with that mentality. Because I think one thing that cycling taught me is that it talent only can take you so far. Mm-hmm. I mean, I've met so many great, amazing cyclists that quit um, because the moment it got kind of tough, they were out. Yeah. And so, yeah, I think through perseverance and just like pushing through it. Um, yeah. I mean, cycling just happened to be that sport for me, where it was like, it was an addicting, addicting feeling. Like I hated getting fifth. I hated getting fourth. I hated getting third. Um, hated getting second and to win. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it's addicting and it's not, I know this isn't healthy and I, I will seek help guys. I promise.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All in due time.
0: All, All in, in due, due time. time. Yeah, for sure, en- for sure. Enjoy it too. No. Yeah, uh, right. oh, and yeah. that's <laughs> the thing. I, I, I love the process and a lot of it's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's hard on my life. It's hard on my family. Um, you know, shit, we just laid out a schedule and it looks like I'm gone for like five months or something ridiculous. Like oh. once we laid it all out and again, you know, I run a team on a small budget and like mm-hmm. I coach athletes. I, you know, I run a podcast. Yeah. Uh, there's like all these things that I do. And so it's, I'm just like a hundred miles a minute. I mean, honestly, we were supposed to record this on Tuesday yeah. and I triple booked. So you weren't the only people that you, you got canceled. I canceled <laughs> somebody else too on top of it. Sorry. Oh, no worries. But yeah.
3: Yeah. Uh. Well, we really appreciate having you here. Um, We usually have some traditional questions. You've kind of answered a few of them. Um, You've thrown down a lot of of wisdom. Yeah, hopefully I wasn't rambling. No, No, man, this is great. Yeah, Um, the, the approach that you're taking in humility and the willingness to just ask questions, regardless where you're at, like that, I could take you so far in life. Anybody, I could take anyone so far. When you have the willingness to not get so laser focused on, you know, this is one little thing that I'm doing in my own little corner of the world. I want to know what's happening in life. I want to yeah. know what it takes and how I can put in the time and effort to get there.
0: No, and yeah, I think like, you know, like just because in cycling, for you to get better, you have to train what you suck at. Mm. Um, And maybe that's why I strayed away from the sprinting stuff. Like, cause I was always good. And now my sprint's not that great, Um, which is, (laughs) it's kind of funny how those things kind of switch, but, but yeah, like the, the thing is, is like, you know, I always trained what I didn't do well at. Like I would, like if there was a group ride with a bunch of pros, like, and they were like, Hey John, do you want to come? And, but just so you know, like if you get dropped, like you're on your own, I'd be like, okay,
2: I'm in. We're doing it.
0: Like I would never let it. Like, I would never let it, like, yeah, I would be defeated, I'd be kind of bummed, but I wouldn't just, like, turn around and go home. Um, I've been dropped on the group right here in town. Like, it's it's not not that, um, yeah, I I just don't fear away from failure in the sport of cycling, I guess, is, you know, because I think I spent, I think the majority of my career has been failure. (laughs) Like, as weird as that sounds, like, Mm, but, like. Failing to the top. For every national championship I've won, I've been told I can't go to worlds mm. for wow. um, you know, for every race that I've won uh, I've been told that I'm not good enough to be on a team, you know, for every, um, for every result that I've pulled, you know, I've been told by a sponsor that I don't have enough followers. I don't have enough um, pull. I don't have enough results or whatever. And so, yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting kind of game and playing field. Cause it's not, just about results anymore. And I think you guys know that. I think yeah. you guys can see that. Like you almost wonder like, how did this guy get, or how did this girl get into here? How do they sponsor by Kenya? 24,000 followers. What, what what do they post? What do they do? And you're just like, they just ride bikes and take videos. And then, you know, that used to really chat my ass, if I'm yeah. being honest. But uh-huh. then I started to think about it. It's like, but that's what they love to do. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's what makes them them. Um, that's what pushes them to get out of their comfort zone. Um, and I think that's what I like about cycling is like, if, you know, just the full nail in the coffin is like, I'm out of my comfort zone, man. I'm still the biggest cyclist, you know, even no matter how much weight I lose, I'm still just a big <laughs> cyclist. And um, I do shit that shouldn't be done or said that can't be done.
2: And I think that's dope. I like that's that. awesome.
3: I hope it keeps going.
2: Yeah. Appreciate and, that. And that- Before we close is a really good question. So you're at this point in your career. Yeah. You've got national championships under your belt. You've got these calls that are so far telling you, no, you can't go to worlds, but you got the podcast, you got some other stuff going. Yeah. Now what? You ready for me to blow up this podcast? Let's do it. All right.
0: (laughs) So, well, I want to go to 24, the 2024 Olympic games. All right. Um, 2028 isn't out of my mind either. Hopefully, right. hopefully, the wife isn't listening to this. Right I'm not <laughs> in a lot of trouble. But I just got a phone call from American Magic, America's Cup. Okay, which is sailing. Uh-huh. I was just gonna say. I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah, and uh, I, I might be sailing.
2: <laughs> okay. I, think,
0: I know. Okay. Like I said, you want me to blow this podcast up? Yeah, there. let's do it. But in theory, they have they have just switched from uh from pedal, uh, like arm oh, the, cranking. The hand crank to uh-huh. pedal? So, yeah. So it goes to pedaling. And I was just like, when I got the phone call, I was like, well, I don't really know how to sail. And they're like, oh, we'll teach you. And so like, it's like literally they, they were trying to call, I think they're trying to call me now. Like the, my phone keeps ringing, but, um, they're trying to call me cause they're trying to explain like the test to me, like what I need to do. But literally they want a guy that can be 85 to 95 kilos. Okay. Me. Yeah. Um, they need a guy that can do about 400 Watts for 20 minutes and 1300 watt bursts for 30 seconds. And I was like, bro, like (laughs) like it's, it almost sounds too good to be true. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? And I was just like, and so I don't know what's going to come of it. Like I'm going to do a test and we'll see what happens. And I'm really excited. I keep learning about it and it's a new sport that I've never heard of. Um, so that's kind of neat. And I still get to ride my bike, which is dope because that's how you have to train for it. Um, but, yeah, fuck it. <laughs> Thank
2: you. Okay. All right, everybody. All right. Under the heading, "Have you heard it here first, if you <laughs> okay. want to follow. Literally,
0: that's the first time I've admitted it.
2: So. <clears throat> oh, it's so amazing. Yeah. If you yeah. want to follow the crazy journey of John Croom Goes Sailing, apparently, <laughs> yeah, stay tuned. Yeah, yeah. Nice. Oh, that's so awesome.
0: Yeah. I'll let you guys know if that actually happens. We can do another podcast. Yeah, definitely. Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. Oh,
3: there's so much more we could talk about. Yeah. I in mean, this is ran way longer. Yep. Thank you for your time.
2: And <laughs> in the meantime, if anybody wants to follow the journey on your social media, where are they finding you?
0: All they have to do is go to johncroomcycling.com or at John Crew. And yeah, say that. Right name. on.
2: Yeah. And uh, yeah, johncroomcycling.com. That is a great place to find the Coffee and Van Chats podcast. I'm guessing that's available everywhere else podcasts are normally found.
0: Yeah, everywhere, everywhere and above. You can even go to the Out of Bounds Network and check them out. That's who we're a part of. So yeah, they got ski podcasts. They got all kinds of if you like podcasts, that's probably the place you want to go.
2: There you go. Everybody should go listen to that. Give some love to the show. Uh, John's had a whole bunch of people on that maybe might grace the blanket for it someday. Yeah, but we'll (laughs) see. In the meantime, John, thanks so much for being on the show. Always. Super cool to have you. Oh, cheers. Cheers. If you want to know more about stand-up pedal action, you can check us out online at supa.bike. That's S-U-P-A dot B-I-K-E. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.